Matthew. We're beginning in verse 22 of chapter 14. Matthew 14, 22. And Father, as they are turning the pages there, may your presence continue to be here. May you take the voice of the one that stands before them and anoint it and bless it and bless your word as it goes forth, almighty God. May I not be a distraction to God's people, but may they truly see Messiah's character being arised in my life as you are doing in their lives, O God. It's to you that we receive to receive all praise and glory and honor. And Father, part of that praise and glory and honor is as we're being transformed more into your image, likeness, and character. So Father, we ask that the Ruach, the one that leads us into all truth, would remove all error of any type of speech that I have today. And may they hear truly as the spirit of the living God is speaking. And may they truly hear and see the word of God come alive before their eyes. Even though it's on the printed page, may it become live and a living and may it do all that you desire for it to do. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. The title of today's message is, Is Yeshua Your Focus? Now, a lot of us, we've had a recent election, and the focus for the last two years or two plus years have been on who's going to be our next president of the United States. All right? And it's, it's really sent some uh, torrents and storms throughout our nation, right? But I know this, whoever God allows to become our leaders, that has been selected by his hand. And the scripture declares this, no one comes to power in any significance. I'm even talking about the local dog catcher. If you have a municipality that has dog catchers. Up where I live, we don't have one. We're such a tiny municipality. The, the police officers have to round up the dogs. And so they wear many hats. But to know this, whoever God has placed in power and authority, we are to pray for them and to intercede for them. And also the former leaders. Because just because they step down from office, we should not cease to pray for God's best for their lives. Amen? So, Father, we lift up today Barack, Michelle, and the, his daughters and his extended family to you. Also, President Biden and his wife and his cabinet and everyone who served to their best ability. I do not judge. God, you judge. You've given them opportunity. And just as our present president and his vice president over the next four years we're going to be praying for them to do your will. And Father, we pray now for your blessings to be upon the former leaders of our government, Almighty God. And those who will be coming in the next election, may your grace and peace and wisdom and knowledge be theirs. May they have a true revelation of who Messiah is. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Verse 22, immediately Yeshua had his Talmudim, Talmudim means disciples, get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night came on and he was alone. But by this time, the boat was several miles from shore, battling rough sea and a headwind. Around four o'clock in the morning, Yeshua came toward them, walking on the lake. When the Talmudim saw Yeshua walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they screamed in fear. But at once Yeshua spoke to them. Courage, he said. It is I. Stop being afraid. Then Kepha, who was Peter, called to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you on the water. Yeshua said, come. So Kepha Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water toward Yeshua. But when Kepha saw the wind, he became afraid. And he began to sink. And Kepha yelled, Adonai, Lord, save me. Yeshua 
immediately stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, Such little trust. Why did you doubt? As they went up into the boat, the wind ceased. The men in the boat fell down, and they worshipped Yeshua, saying, You truly are Ben Elohim, the Son of God. Having made the crossing, they landed at Ginnasar, which is Gesenaret. When the people of the place recognized him, Yeshua, they sent out word throughout the neighborhood and all the villages and brought to Yeshua everyone who was ill. They begged Yeshua that the sick people might only touch the zitzit of his robe, and all who touched it were completely healed. Isn't that amazing? What has just taken place? Now the Talmudim, things were looking up, for we find in Yohanan 6, 14 through 15. When the people saw the miracle Yeshua had performed, they said, this has to be a prophet. Now I have to backtrack a little bit. What had happened prior to this? The feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children. So the numbers here now can be what? 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people. And what had taken place? There was a small boy in Philip and Andrew. This boy, they, they learned acquaintance with him. And he happened to mention that he had what? He had five barley loaves and he had two fish with him. And so when Yeshua asked his Talmudim, because they said, well, we need to send the people away. It's getting very, very late. He said, well, I want you to go and you feed them. And so here's Andrew and Philip, and they're bringing whom? But this little boy. And the boy says, here, Yeshua, this is all I have. I give to you. And what does the scripture say? He took that. He said the bruka. He said the blessings. That is, he's, he's thanking God for his provision. Talk about faith. If thirty to 50,000 people walked into this room, and they stayed here for a while. And there was teaching and preaching was going on. Like there has been teaching and preaching from the very, very beginning. Through prayer, there's been preaching, teaching, and instruction. And it's great to see the Lord using multiple voices and multiple people, using their giftings. Amen? This is not a congregation of one. This is a congregation of many. And so what Yeshua did was he took that bread and he took that fish. He said the blessings. And what happened? It multiplied before their very eyes. Remember, here's this. Five loaves had been broken up and the fish had been broken up. He passes it out. And remember this. They're not handing them out in plates. They're handing this out in the disciples' hands. All 12 are. And what are the disciples seeing? They're seeing the manifesting power of God, the miracles of multiplication happening in their very hands. Later in the scripture says that after it was done and everyone had their fill, that then they gathered it up into what? Twelve baskets, which was a testimony to the twelve. Isn't it amazing? We read the story many, many times, but there's even so much more there. So let us continue with this story. So when the people saw this miracle of the multiplication of food that Yeshua had performed, they said, this has to be the prophet. Who were they referring to? You have to have a Hebraic mind to understand this. The promised one, the Mashiach. Because next they say this, they sought to make Yeshua king. You know, they had to know a little bit about his background. Because what tribe was the kings to come from? The tribe of Judah. Let's continue. This could have been, could have been the beginning of the culmination of why they were following Yeshua. Why? Because they want to see Rome to be disposed. They wanted to see the Messiah ruling and reigning upon the throne from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
They were waiting for the day when Yeshua would assert his authority over the rulership of Israel and retake David's throne. Because what had been taking place beyond the fish and the bread? He'd been raising the dead. He'd been casting out demons. He'd been healing lepers, healing every sick and firm person that was brought by him, by his spoken word and simply by them at times touching his zitzit. Continuing. What better time could there be than now? It had just before Pesach Passover, when the people would travel to Jerusalem and with their enthusiasm of this crowd could easily have transferred to those in Jerusalem. Many had heard of his miracles and his power. And who was terrified the most? It wasn't Rome, but it was the Pharisees and scribes. Because their hold on the people was coming to an end. But Yeshua was not setting up a physical kingdom, but a spiritual one. And the people did not understand that. But that is when Yeshua now did a very strange thing. He went away. And you know, why did he come to this desolate place in the first place? We have to remember back to the prior portion of scripture. And it states this that he got into that boat to get away, all right? But what happened was the crowd followed him. And when he got to his destination, they were there. He was tired. He wanted to be in the presence of the Father and take his Talmudim with him up upon the mountain. So they go up there. But his heart is filled with compassion. And he heals their sick and he feeds them. So now he's fulfilling the Father's will. There have been some times in my life, and you can also attest to this, where the Father has showed you what his will is for you to do. But all of a sudden, there's a sidetrack here. We have to have discernment whether or not that we're being sidetracked by the enemy, Hasatan, or we're being sidetracked by the Spirit of the living God in that there's another step for us to do in fulfilling God's will. And that's what Yeshua is doing here. In Matthew 22, it describes that immediately after Yeshua had had the Talmudim get into the boat, he to go ahead of him to the other side. Now, what were the Talmudim to make of this? This is not what they were expecting, because he, they saw this that the crowd was behind Yeshua. Could not in Judah's own heart say, "Now's the time." For him to rise and to take and to kick Rome out of the country. Verse 23 tells us why Jesus, Yeshua, did this. After he sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. You know, there are times when we're doing the Father's will, when we have to stop the activity of ministry so that we may go in the presence of the Father by ourselves to be renewed, to be strengthened, and to get our focus where it needs to be. So that's what Yeshua was doing here. Night came on and he was alone. Yeshua had originally came to this place to get away from the crowds. I already shared that. I'll move down. It was now dark and Yeshua would spend uninterrupted time with Abba, Father, God in prayer. You know, Yeshua desires for us to be in his presence not only as an assembled group but how about during the week are you setting allotted time to spend time in the presence of your father but the Talmudim were not aware what was going on and so Yeshua sent them ahead and so that was what they were doing they did not understand that Yeshua did this but they learned to trust Yeshua and simply follow his instructions and directions have you ever done that as you're serving the Lord? He doesn't give us more than what we need for that moment. God has never laid out my whole future before me. Increment by increment. Because you know what? I can't take my whole future. And he knows that. The scriptures do not say whether they knew that Yeshua was praying. But even if they did, they might not might not have thought much about it because they were quite occupied with another concern at the moment. Verse 24, 
By this time, the boat was several miles away from shore, battling the rough sea and a headwind. Notice here that there is no lightning, there's no clouds, and there's no thunder. And this isn't the occasion where Yeshua is sleeping in the boat. Whole different story. The boat now is under great stress, and these were great waves that were crashing against the boat. So now we get the picture of what these 12 men were, were going through. How would you feel if you were in their situation? It's late at night and you're tired. You've, you've been troubled by the events of the day. Things have been going well earlier, but now you find yourself rowing very hard, but not going much anywhere. Have you ever, the Lord ever sent you on a journey? He's, he's empowered you and equipped you but then all of a sudden you can't make no headway. And so what do we turn to? Our own strength. God will help you with will. What does the scripture say? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But we as human beings, what would we want to do? We wanted to rely on our own intellect, our past experiences, and our own strength. The waves are crashing against your boat and making it creak and groan with the strain, almost as loudly as you strain in pulling the oars and trying to reach the shores in safety. You are wet and cold, and it seemed like a long time ago that you ate the fish and the bread. You are alone, and yet your leader has sent you ahead without him. Now add another element to it. It is fear. All believers battle with fear if we're truly honest. Verses 25 and 26. Around 4 o'clock in the morning, Yeshua came toward them, walking on the sea. When the Talmudim saw Yeshua walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they screamed with fear. They had enough to be afraid of just being in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm. Yet we find them that they're very frightened by something that they simply cannot comprehend. The word here for being fearful is a strong and literal meaning means shaken, being upset and thrown to a confusion and alarm. Have you ever been there as a believer in Messiah? Where all of a sudden your world is turned upside down and inside out. And it just seems like the, the heavens are like brass. The men saw something that was beyond their ability to understand. It was Yeshua coming to them in a manner that would have not, they would not have expected in their wildest dreams. They had been sent ahead and they did not expect to see Yeshua until sometime later that they had reached the other side of the Sea of Galilee. In any case, by any means, even more so than on such a stormy night. Remember, there are no clouds, there's no lightning, and there's no thunder. What do you think and how would you react if you were in their situation? You're already scared to at least some degree by this storm. And then through the shadowy light given by the moon, notice that, there's moon, a moon that would have been nearly full. Why? Because Pesach, Passover, is coming near. The figure of a man walking on the top of the water. You cannot be sure what you're seeing for you're being tossed up and about in the boat. And each wave you and the figure see is going up and down. Many of us, we see that scripture and we think, well, he's walking on the water. No, he's walking on the crests of the waves. Have you ever been in a boat on the lake when the wind comes up all of a sudden and there's no storm? What is happening? You're riding what? The waves, the top and the bottom of the waves. That's what's happening here, okay? It must be something else, but what? All that is left is something from the spiritual, a ghost of some sort. Wouldn't you be afraid? Of course you would, regardless of how much you might say that you would not. But the hair on your very neck would start standing straight out. The adrenaline would be pumping. Your heart would be pounding, just as theirs did. I've never seen an angel appear before me. But I believe I would be like many other of the faithful that's recorded in the scriptures, that they fell before them as dead people. 
in reality. Continuing. But isn't it also true like the way that we often live in our lives? We think things are starting to look like they're not, that they're going pretty well when Abba Father God does something that we do not understand why. But we submit to what he desires for us to do. But then we find ourselves in the midst of another big problem. Then in the middle of something else comes at us which we don't even comprehend. And we become afraid of what the future may hold. That's what a life is living for Yeshua. We're not promised tomorrow. We're to live today and walk in the grace and the provision that God has given us. That's why I love that statement from the 1970s that believers would share with one another. They'd say, are you going to this meeting or are you going to this event? You know what the, the, the most popular answer was? If it be the will of the Lord. Simplicity. Have you ever had something become very, very complex in your life and then all of a sudden it becomes more and more complex? Like the breaking down of your cars, the heating systems of our own bones. And out of this, we cry out in frustration. I've had enough. If you truly are God and I'm your child, why don't you adopt somebody else? Have you ever been in that situation? I have. The Lord wants us to be honest with him. There are times when we cry out, Abba, Father, God is just not fair. It is also true when more serious things happen to us, if our job is threatened or if we lose in areas of health. As I'm becoming older and older, my body does not recover as it once did when I was 20. I'm now soon going to be 57. When I kneel down before the Lord, it takes a little bit more strength and effort for me to rise back up to my feet. But you know what the Lord does by the Spirit of the living God? He tells me to bow before him, kneel before him, and worship and adoring him. And whose example did I get? But those 12 in the boat. Because when he came back and he entered the boat there, what did they do? They proclaimed him for who he was, Ben Elohim, the Son of God, and they worshipped him. And you know what? Some of us may be ashamed or afraid to do it in public. Practice at home, bowing before the Lord and worshipping him as the Spirit of the living God has you do that. There are some times when the Lord has me just sit in his presence, not move a muscle and not even speak a word, but just simply Worship him in spirit and truth in that form. It's all beautiful before the Lord. Abba Father go, knows what we're going, what's going on. And sometimes we wonder now, why has he left us alone? We do fine as long as everything is going well. But when troubles and trials start and bad things start to happen, we don't understand the reason why. Then we find our trust is not as great as we thought. Well, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 plus years. My faith is mighty. My name should be listed in the book of Messianic Jews, chapter 11. Really? Have you recently read chapter 11, Frank? I have. And my trust and faith pales in comparison to those examples. Praise be to God. There are other human beings who walk with Yeshua even before he was born of the virgin, Miriam. And they were able to walk in trust and faith, not even seeing him, just as you and I today. Continuing. We become fearful and may even start questioning Abba, Father God. How does Abba, God respond to us and how should we respond to Abba, Father God at those times? The Talmudim had just cried out in fear, verse 27. But at once Yeshua spoke to them, courage, he said. It is I, stop being afraid. This is the way, if you study scripture, when Yeshua wanted to get someone's attention, he simply said, stop. What was he asking them to do? Take your focus off your circumstance. And now look me straight in the eye. 
and know that I'm here because I am more than a conqueror. I've conquered every temptation that you will ever face in life, and I'm here with you. This is why you this is the way that Yeshua responded often to those who were afraid. He sought to give them courage and called them to stop being afraid, for he was with them. Yeshua had been praying the whole time that the storm had been raging. He knew ahead of time. That's why he sent the 12 on their own. He wanted to see how they were going to react. And from various prayers of Yeshua that are recorded, we know that frequent element of his prayers was intercession for his Talmudim. Both then and now, that includes you and I. This is one of his continuing ministries. Now in making intercession to Abba Father God for us, Messianic Jews 7.25 says, Consequently, Yeshua is totally able to deliver those who approach Abba Father God through Yeshua, since Yeshua is alive forever and thus abide, able to intercede on their behalf. Do you hear that? He's praying before the Father moment by moment, even when we're sleeping. Interceding before the Father on our behalf. What better position could they have been in than in having Yeshua, our Messiah, praying for us? But Yeshua didn't just pray. He also responded to the need, for he was praying. He went there to be with his Talmudim at the right moment. Yeshua is still the same. Yeshua's promise to Talmudim in Matthew 28 is true for us even today. Yeshua's words, And remember, I will be with you always, yes, even to the end of the age. He still is with those of us who have placed our trust in him and who have believed in his name. Who's your hope? Is it Donald Trump? Donald Trump is not my hope. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican or Independent, your hope is in Messiah alone. Let's put our eyes where they need to be focused on. Pray and intercede for those people that God has placed in authority over us. But know this, our prayers are more important than our votes. We voted what? Once. How are we to pray? Rob Scholl said, pray without ceasing that the will of Abba, Father, God will be done. That's what's going to unify our country. And by the body of Messiah, walking in true repentance. Because we are not the light that we need to be in this nation that God desires us to be. Continuing. We may not understand all that is going on or why it is happening, but we don't need to when we have Yeshua with us. It is enough to be entrusted in Yeshua's care. Some now have tried to discount Yeshua's walking on water, saying it was either a hallucination of the Talmudim or Yeshua had only appeared to be walking on the water, but actually he was on a sandbar along the shore. In the state of Minnesota, we say everyone here walks on water in winter. But I say this to you, if you read the scripture carefully, he wasn't merely walking on the water. He was walking on the crests of the waves. He had to be what? Weightless. A human body being weightless. Undeniable. That was a miracle of God. First, the 12 men all could not hallucinate at the same time at the same thing. Second, every text records that the storm was raging while Yeshua was walking on the sea. That means Yeshua was rising and falling with each wave. Sandbars and the shoreline do not do that. What happens? Some of you have built castles, have you not? Or built sand mounds? That's what I build. I could never build a castle. And what happens when you bring that your hill or your, your mound or that castle towards the water, or the waves come in. It gets destroyed. Continuing. Third, 
We have an account of what happened to Kepha, Peter, to prove the depth of the water. Verse 28 says, Kepha called to Yeshua, Adonai, if it is really you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Yeshua said. So Kepha got out of the boat and walked on water towards Yeshua. You know what was going through my mind as I was preparing for this message? These Hebraic men are living in the context. They're knowing this, that Yeshua came to fulfill what? Torah. And what's listed in the Torah? Another similar story. Here was a prophet of God who was in rebellion. What was happening? There was a storm that came. And every man and woman and child was repenting upon that ship, praying to their gods. And finally, they had to wake him up. And he said, simply take me and cast me into the sea, and it will become calm. All right? So you know what's going through my Hebraic mind? That's why none of the other Talmudim, the other 11, are saying, hey, Peter, please don't. Why? Because they wanted to be delivered from the storm. Kind of shows you where their unity was, right? Let's continue. But when he saw the wind, he became afraid, and he began to sink, and yelled, Adonai, save me. Yeshua immediately stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, such little trust. Why did you doubt? As they went up to the boat, the wind ceased. Now let's dig a little deeper. First, the wind did not stop until they got into the boat. So well, who was or what was causing this wind? Was it a simple act of nature? Because who were in the 12 that were in this boat? Yeshua's representatives who were going to turn the world upside down. Who would benefit the most if they would simply drown? Hasatan. What is one of his titles? The prince of the power of what? The air. Yeshua was not terrified to walk in the storm that was not natural because there were no clouds, there was no lightning, there was no thunder. But here was a wind that was causing these waves. And remember this. Who's in the boat but four experienced fishermen? What are their names? Kepha, Peter, Andrew, Yaakov, Jacob, James, and Yohanan, John. So they knew these waters like the back of their hands. They knew where any potential sandbars were going to be. So these were all experienced individuals. Second, notice that Kepha began to seek. The word literally means to plunge down into the sea. Kepha simply did not stand off, step off a sandbar. He began to sink into the water. The boat is four miles out, and there are no sandbars there. The miracle here is a real one. What is more astounding by it is not only that Yeshua, but also Kepha walked on the crests of these waves. Kepha, if he would have jumped on the scale back in the boat, would appear to be weightless. I know some of you said, where did you get that from? Because he had to be weightless to walk upon the waves. That's a miraculous transformation of the human body. You may be saying, where are you going with this, Frank? The scripture says this, that once we are up in heaven with Yeshua, our body will be like his. What did Yeshua do? Sometimes when he went and the doors and the windows were locked, he passed through walls to be in their presence. We're going to also have supernatural bodies. You know what? Kepha, Peter, was able to experience a taste of that, of a supernatural body. And I'll tell you this, that's going to blow, right now it's blowing people's theology, is it not? So tell me, were there two angels that scooped up either arm of Kepha and lifted him up from wave to wave breaking? No. So his body became weightless, just as Yeshua's body became weightless. That is a miracle. Continuing, some say Kepha was careless and that his focus was very small on how his trust was with Yeshua. Yet Yeshua gently rebuked Kepha for his little trust. And you'll notice that as we follow and serve the Lord. 
according to his will. He will not condemn us and rebuke us that brings condemnation and severs our relationship with him. Just enough for us to get our focus back on what the Lord wants us to do. Kepha love Yeshua, and we often see him as close as he can get to Yeshua. Even when Kepha denied Yeshua at his trial, Kepha was in the courtyard as close as he could get. The rest of the Talmudim were nowhere to be found. He was imperfect and weak as he was. Kepha's love for Yeshua was real. You know what that says to me? As imperfect as I am and as flawed as I am, if my love and my focus is for Yeshua and him only, I can have good relationship with the Lord. And God will accept me in my frailed personality, just as I am, as he's perfecting us into his likeness and character. We can all imagine Kepha staying so close to Yeshua when they walked place to place that when Yeshua stopped, he ran into him. Have you ever had one of your children when they were little? And they're following, they're just taking an all in nature and you're leaving them. And all of a sudden they're running into you. That's what is happening here. Because you know what? Yeshua was opening up Kepha's eyes and the Talmudim's eyes to the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God. That's what is being expressed here. That is why we see here Kepha's desire to get out of the boat and go out to Yeshua. Kepha was an experienced fisherman. He knew the danger of getting out of the boat in the middle of a storm. He was not being macho or rash that prompted him, but simply a desire to be with Yeshua. Why? Because he knew from his own experience that in the boat, and they've been rowing for hours, they're not making any headway. Where was the only true salvation? But he that was walking upon the crest of the waves. Going on, the if in Kepha's request is not questioning that whether or not it is Yeshua. The last thing that Kepha would do was to join with an unidentified ghost in the middle of the sea during a storm. The meaning of the if here means, since you are Yeshua, he wanted confirmation. Why? Because he knew his voice. Remember this. He's seeing this image going up and down. This is a shadowy figure. We don't tell, it's not told us if it's, how far can you see on, on the water? A long ways, just like you can hear a voice. But he heard Yeshua's voice. and It was undeniable to him. Continuing. Since you are Yeshua, because Kepha understood something of what Yeshua had been teaching, to get out of your boat, to get out of your box, to get out of your circumstance and experience God in the supernatural. His thought here and his request would be, if Yeshua can walk on water and the waves, then with the power he can give me, I can walk on the water and join Yeshua. Just think if the other 11 that were in the boat had the same trust. What would the people of that next town see? Not one, not two, but 13 men walking on the crests of the waves and the power of God. There was an opportunity there for them. Think about one prophet of God who led two to four million people to the Red Sea. God did not ordain for them to walk on the crest of the waves, but he simply parted the sea for them to walk on dry land. Continuing, Yeshua invites him to come, and Kepha does, not, does great until he takes his eyes off Yeshua and he notices his circumstances. Possibly he finds that even though he is walking on the top of the water, it's hard to keep his balance with the waves going up and down under his feet. And so what does he turn? He turns to notice the wind again. He gets his eyes off Yeshua. The text says, but when he saw the wind, you know something? We do not see wind. 
we see the effects of the result of the wind. Kepha feels now the wind against his face. And he sees how now the big, the waves are even becoming even larger. That is the point when doubt enters and trust departs and he begins to sink. Is it not the same also with us? We get off God's will. We turn our focus from him, his plans and his purposes, and we start looking at the circumstances. Let's continue. We understand that something of our nature that Yeshua and step out and trust and obey him. We do great until we start ex- ex- examining our circumstances and begin doubting. You're doing well in sharing your trust, your faith, your witness, till you notice that there aren't many people responding as you had hoped. Maybe you're ask, they're now asking tough questions, and soon you doubt your life is as pure enough and your speaking ability is good enough to convince them. Fear comes and trust departs. Sharing your trust or your faith or your witness is not about your ability. Rather, Abba, Father, God using you in your weakness. Because if any person who's a non-believer sees standing before them a perfect person, they're not going to be able to relate to that person. There's no common ground. And that's why God allows our flaws to be seen. so they may see the grace and power of God transforming us before their very eyes. And then they say this in their hearts, there's hope for me. Let's continue. Your spiritual life is going well, and you're really really learning to seek the Lord and his righteousness first. Then financial crisis comes. How do you respond? Will Yeshua really provide for our needs, or do you need to do some business in a compromised way that other companies are doing it? Do you take on so much extra work that you compromise your relationship with your family? Do you justify cheating on your taxes or get involved in insurance fraud? Are you now making the time to continue to read your Bible, but also to study it? Are you making time to spend in prayer? Then something happens that changes your schedule and your activities, so you have less free time. Now, if you continue your time in Bible reading, study, and prayer, you must take time from your leisure or even sleep. So now what do you do? Are you focused on Yeshua or the things that you think you deserve? Anyone who's called into ministry has to sacrifice their own private time. Sometimes sleep, so that you will be there to serve God's people and lift them up and build them up in their holy faith. Has doubt about the purpose of meaning in life entered in so that your trust is compromised or you keep walking on the top of the water to meet Yeshua? The choice is yours. You see that we are no different than Kepha in the weakness of our trust, but it is not our trust that is important. It is the one in whom we placed our trust, Yeshua. Notice when Kepha starts sinking, he cries out for help, which is the same thing we should do. And we find Yeshua graciously reaching out to him and lifting him up and taking him to safety. We can and should, should do the same thing when we find ourselves in trouble, with our trust failing and our lives sinking. Yeshua is there and he will help. But there is one problem that we encounter here that keeps many people from calling for help. They don't want to be rebuked. That is a true sign of true maturity in the Lord. When the presence of God's people, notice this, who was in the boat there but but Kepha's peers? They heard the rebuke. You know what? It was done in love and in gentleness, in the hope of reconciliation. Continuing. 
They don't want to be told that they have failed. Have you ever failed God? I have. I have honestly failed the Lord. Time and time again. And God has given me the time after I repent when I failed him. To speak when I was terrified. To be silent when I was just bursting to say something. The Lord has reconciled me and given me other opportunities. We let our pride get in the way. Abba, Father God, opposes the arrogant, but to the humble he gives grace. 1 Kepha 5, 5 through 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of Abba, Father God, so that at the right time he may lift you up and throw all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Abba, Father God, will lift you up and restore you. Yeshua did that with Kepha many, many times. And he will do for us also. What is the response of the rest of the Talmudim when Yeshua and Kepha got back in the boat? Verse 33. The men fell down and they worshipped Yeshua and exclaimed, You truly are Ben Elohim, the son of Abba, Father God. Matiyahu's point had been made once again. Yeshua is truly the promised Mashiach. The Messiah. And the Talmudim recognize this and they declare him as being deity. And some of us say, well, that's not a problem. Oh, yes, it is. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But wait a second. The Mashiach. Ben Elohim, the Son of God. See, their theology was being transformed by the miracle power of God. I'm coming very quickly to close here. There is no other way possible that Yeshua could have done what he did because it was more than a demonstration of his divine power, but also his divine love and care for his Talmudim. You notice this, when Abba, Father God, shows his power, even as we heard earlier today, about Abba Father God hardening the heart of Pharaoh, it was to bring what? True ways of repentance. Because Pharaoh was battling with his carnal nature. Why else does a man say, please bless me and please pray for me? You see, there was still hope. What would have happened if Pharaoh would have simply bowed down before Adonai God and declared him as a true God and said, I am a fraud. I am not the God of Egypt. And the true God has revealed this to everyone here. Could not have revival swept through the land? I believe this. If that would have happened, all the people of Egypt would have left and went towards the promised land. Because you know what's beautiful? As Barbara pointed out in that Torah portion there, it said that many people, including the Egyptians, many people, the 70 nations were there being representative. And they were part being grafted in into the house of God, the chosen people. Continuing. The proper response to Yeshua is simply to worship him. When we're facing circumstances, trials, and tribulation, simply to go and worship him. If we start doubting Yeshua's promises, our trust departs. We try to work things out in our own power. That is when we start to sink into gloom of depression. Yet sooner we learn that we cannot control our circumstances, that the key to overcoming is keeping our focus on Yeshua. It's Him and Him alone. In Him we live, we move, and we have our being. Yeshua, the better off we will be. It is only when we remember that the goal of our lives is to draw close to Yeshua, and to do Yeshua's will, can we hope to live a joyful life in the fruit of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God. Many have gone before us and set an example for us to follow. 
in the life of trust. We can read about some of them in Messianic Jews, Hebrews chapter 11. Here's Messianic Jews 12, 1 and 2. So then we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us too put on aside every impediment, that is sin, which easily hampers our forward movements. The seed of Abraham is moving forward with Yeshua as a shepherd over this congregation. You are hearing his voice, not mine or anyone on this board's. You're hearing his voice, and you're walking in his power, in his might, and his authority. And we're going to build his kingdom according the way he desires for it to be. We've been set free by the Spirit of the living God to accomplish all that he desires to do in us. We have freedom in Messiah to do that. The only Lord that you have is Yeshua himself. And what the Spirit of the living God desires for you to come and to accomplish, it shall be accomplished. To his glory and honor and praise. Continuing. Which easily hampers our forward movement and keep running with endurance in the contest set before us, looking away to the initiator. Notice that. Looking away off our circumstances. Now we're focused on heaven. There's our eternal high priest who's interceding and bringing his own blood and pouring it on the altar, sanctifying us, cleansing us. The initiator and completer of that trusting or faith, Yeshua, in exchange for obtaining the joy set before him, endured the execution stake as a criminal, scorning the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of Abba, Father God. And he waits for us to join him. Let us now learn a lesson from Kepha. And let us keep our focus on Yeshua. And let us quickly cry out for help when we fail. Shabbat Shalom.